0: Hello mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between, I'm Bryant.
1: And I'm Caitlin.
0: And Operation Silver Screen is a GO! Welcome everyone to another weekly debrief. Each week, Caitlin and I take on a case from our backlog of must-see films that either one of us or both of us have yet to see. In our debrief, we'll provide not only our opinion of the film, but we'll also discuss the significance and influence in both the film industry and society as a whole. Along the way, we'll also provide other fun trivia and insights on the film. And Caitlin, what was our assignment this week?
1: So for this week's mission, that was strange. So for this week's, for this week's, for this week's mission, can somebody let that bird out? Thank you. So for this week's mission, we're heading to Bodega Bay, where something strange is happening to the local birds. That's right, we're tackling the 1963 Hitchcock classic, The Birds, starring Tippi Hedren. So before we get into it, I want to mention the first part of our debrief will be spoiler-free as we talk about our overall thoughts on the film, but as we move into the classified part of the mission, there will be some spoilers on the story, but we'll be sure to give you a heads up when we get to that part. So The Birds is a film that I've seen before. I think I've seen all of Hitchcock's like major works, um, like uh, Vertigo, Psycho, obviously, Rear Window, but The Birds is one of them that you still haven't seen until till now, right, Brian? Seen what again? The birds. What birds? The the birds.
0: Which ones? You have a lot of birds.
1: (laughs) The birds.
0: Oh, the birds. (laughs) Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Oh, that one. (laughs) Sorry, I I had to do it at least once in this episode. Thought I'd get it out early. No, I haven't seen this one. I've seen a couple other Alfred Hitchcock's films. Obviously, I've seen Psycho. I've seen Rear Window. Actually, I can't say obviously. I mean, the reason we have this show is because we we haven't seen movies that should be obvious. Very true. Yeah, and I, I watched Rope not too long ago. I have not seen Vertigo. I know that's on our list, and there's a couple other ones, like North by Northwest, which I know you're not excited for. Or wait, no, it's Vertigo you don't like.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Vertigo. I, I don't think I've seen North by Northwest, actually.
0: I also have a nice little uh, gift collection of a lot of his movies from Universal, given to me by mom. Our number one fan since day zero
1: <laughs>
0: but i I've, I've been chipping away at them
1: yeah i have a, a mini collection it has and i've seen all of them in the collection it has like psycho the birds rear window and vertigo in it
0: oh okay that makes sense
1: yeah a lot of his like less popular film not less popular but like the the smaller the ones that aren't talked about quite as much those ones i haven't really seen at all
0: and rope rope was i think his first big one or no not
1: oh, i haven't seen rope
0: yeah, it's one of his big ones.
1: And so the reason why we are tackling The Birds today is because The Birds just came on Netflix. I think that's pretty significant, because Netflix isn't really known for having a lot of old films. So for it to have one of Hitchcock's greats, I think that's that's pretty big news. And so you guys can have a chance to watch it if you haven't yet.
0: Yes, and that's not the only movie they're bringing from Hitchcock either. They're also, what's the other one? Psycho?
1: I think it's Psycho. I was thinking about that too, and I forgot.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're bringing in uh, Psycho as well. And actually, this is just a really good month for Netflix, I think. There's already some things that I'm looking forward to watching. And honestly, I would recommend for, for individuals to watch. Uh, yeah, actually, there's quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I know uh, A League of Their Own just came out as well.
0: Raid 1 and Raid 2 are on Netflix at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Oh, so I can finally watch the Raid 1?
0: Oh, yeah, you still haven't seen Raid 1. Yeah, if you guys want a fantastic action film, watch Raid 1 and Raid 2. Uh, Also, Beef, the TV series, came out today as we're recording. I'm planning to watch that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that looks good.
0: Yeah, they're trying to keep us in because they're going to be putting in that password sharing shutdown. And I don't know, I'm with this type of month, I'm like, oh, should I cancel my subscription?
1: (laughs) Guess you got to keep it for a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Keep it now for for myself and all the moochers, Caitlin.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But this film, it did receive mixed reviews at release, um, but critic reception grew over time and it became better received over Prime, primarily as a huge influence on the horror genre. Uh, What were some things that you found about this film?
0: Yeah, So this has a 7.6 on IMDb. It has a 94% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes with an 83% audience rating. It does have one Oscar nomination, Best Effects, which I found out actually it was only one of the two nominations for that year. There weren't a lot of special oh. effects back then.
1: Wasn't it uh, uh, the one you like, that one, Cleopatra?
0: Cleopatra, yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I don't know, what, I, I can't remember the visual effects in that movie. So I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm I was surprised. wondering
1: if that had strong visual effects, because obviously this one obviously does, but I, I I don't know. I didn't imagine that Cleopatra would have had that much but i don't know
0: i i yeah i don't know where i I can't i can't remember i mean it's also a long movie but i can't think of any particular scenes probably because i was lost in elizabeth taylor's eyes the whole time Ah. maybe that's where the visual effects were actually at
1: (coughs) (laughs) yep and it won an award
0: (laughs) this also is on the 1001 movies to watch before you die actually i think there was a big sea battle in cleopatra i don't know we'll get back to it because we're we (laughs) we have to watch cleopatra one day
1: yeah isn't that super long is not that the long one
0: it's, like, I think it's close to five hours.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're saving that one. <laughs> uh, Tippy Hedron also won a Golden Globe for Most Promising Newcomer. It was also honored by the American Films Institute as the seventh greatest filler in American cinema, and it won a Horror Hall of Fame Award in 1991.
0: Nice. I didn't, I didn't even know they were giving those away, Horror Fame Awards.
1: I didn't either, but I think they're, like, actually, like, hosted by, um... Robert England.
0: Okay, Makes so sense. I mean, I
1: guess it's a big thing in the horror world. I I just didn't know about it.
0: I bet Del Toro's part of that committee too. Oh,
1: I'm sure. <laughs> so, The Birds is loosely based on a short story by Daphne Du Maurier of the same name, and it follows the main character Melanie Daniels, who, after meeting and flirting with a handsome attorney in a pet shop, she stalks. I I mean, she follows. Him to his hometown of Bodega Bay. While there, a strange occurrence begins when the town's begin attacking its residents. So, Brian, this being your first time watching this film, why don't you kick us off with your opinion on this?
0: Yes. One, I like your little clarification there. She definitely stalked this dude, and this is one of those. (laughs) Well, no, I don't know. I want to say it's one of those reverse roles that wouldn't work, but women seem to be into the creepy stalker guy nowadays. Uh, yeah. Like the whole Mr. Gray, 365 days getting kidnapped and Stockholm Syndrome applied to you. Th- this may actually work nowadays. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, hey, I don't know. Somebody somebody, let me know. Just don't say that I encourage you when you go to court.
1: Yeah, in my notes I put, I support women's wrongs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very true. Yeah, we got to talk about that one a little bit more. But, but let's start first with my opinion of this film. So... Starting from the beginning, I do like how if Alfred Hitchcock starts his movies. He he has a interesting way of starting the movie, but for it to it, it it feels realistic, but it does have a larger than life or it has some kind of like unconventional way of somebody going about their day. Now whether it be Psycho somebody running away from a, a murder, Rope where they just committed a murder, uh Rear Window with uh, his injury and in here where she's going just about her day and they have like this kind of meat cute almost, but he kind of throws a wrench in the the meat cute formula there. Uh, so, but as, as it goes along, like this movie is really known for the way that it develops a character before it gets to the, to not the climax, but to the birds actually attacking. I thought that first half actually took a, a while. I thought they could have trimmed that down about 15 minutes or consolidated a bit and it it would have still done the same thing and got me to the birds point faster and it's not because i'm just like i'm ready for these birds attack it's just as we're watching them do their thing of these two getting to know each other and her trying to do her romantic stalking and this back and forth that they're having it, it started to wear off for me however once the movie kicks in it really kicks in and when I always heard about this movie, I'm always like, "All right, the birds." I mean, I guess I could see birds being sort of terrifying. They just start coming down, swooping. I've seen birds terrorize people before. It was kind of my fault. I didn't mean to. Coleman and <laughs> I told you about Coleman and I told you about that story, Caitlin. We should have had him on the show to tell him about the, the time uh, we watched I don't, the birds attack. I don't
1: remember this?
0: <laughs> yeah, we were at the the harbor, and I had some fries. And as we were walking, like walking back to where we were coming from, I just kind of, I was messing around and I dropped some fries, <laughs> just like for the birds to swoop down, you know, just kind of be like, you know, like, ha ha. No, those, <laughs> those birds swooped in for those fries and some kids started screaming, like, mom, on the birds. <laughs>
1: kids <laughs>
0: Yeah, those birds were really aggressive. I was not expecting that. Like I was, just, it was just like a fun little. I was just expecting, you know, then just to come down and like everybody like, whoa, where's all these birds coming from? Those birds, I don't, I don't know. I didn't really. I looked back once. One of the birds could have picked up a child and left. And, and I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> so is that the harbor? So they were seagulls.
0: Yeah, they were seagulls. Which seagulls are aggressive? I found out.
1: From yeah, I, I was gonna say, I feel like seagulls will do anything for food. I remember in Disney once, one landed on my mom's head and stole her funnel cake out of her hands as she was putting it in her mouth.
0: Oh, that's bold. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, it was rude. <laughs> that was uncalled for.
0: <laughs> yeah, they just fly away. Like you can't do anything. It's not like you can even yeah. give a little bit of a chase. But back to this movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He does, Alfred Hitchcock is known for his suspense. He's the master of suspense, and he really does it well in this movie with just the tension of just, like, the bird's attacks. Like, okay, it's a couple birds here. Or, like, really, it's, honestly, it's one bird at first, and then it's a couple birds. And then, yeah, by the time that you get to that mass of birds, it really is horrifying. And, of course, he, he plays that up as well with the the sound design in this. There's a, a lot of things that I really do like in this. Uh, and, and some moments actually truly, truly surprised me, uh, especially at the end. They had this really, really tense moment. I felt like I was watching uh, A Quiet Place again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, the ending I thought was a bit abrupt. It was just we'll talk about it more in spoilers, but it was just all right, done. So I think with like the beginning and the end kind of falling off for me, I, I, I mean, I still like this movie. There's a lot that I appreciate from it, a lot that I can see a lot a lot of reasons I can go, yeah, Alfred Hitchcock is is one of the best. but I think story wise the the first half could have been consolidated. Like I was really thinking about other horror movies that have done that, like kind of just bringing you into the characters' lives. Mm-hmm. and you know they have they have some kind of issue going on, and of course, that issue it, that may seem like the main issue, but it gets sidebarred by this this threat that comes in whether it be supernatural or monsters extraterrestrial one movie of course i I thought about because i always think about this movie get out uh but get out they they did it and before they really started getting into like the creepiness in the movie we really get to we we don't spend too much time i spent i feel like we spent really 30 minutes before we got to that and that's why i said this movie i think if it trimmed it down just 15 and went from 45 to 30 building that up and and creating the the characters I thought it would have been better.
1: Yeah, I don't uh disagree with you there. I think something that Hitchcock noted that he wanted to do is that because obviously if you're going to see this movie even back then from the title, from the trailer, from like everything about this film, like you know the birds are going to come. Like you know that that's what this is leading to. So part of the tension is like okay, when is it going to happen? So and, and I think he does that well because he does have birds from the very beginning of this film onwards, and you're just kind of waiting for that moment to happen. So I liked that aspect of attention, but I do agree that it could be cut down a little bit in the beginning. Um, I I do think it adds to one of the themes of like sexuality being part of uh, the theme sexual attention, um and kind of the, the forces there, I think that was kind of presented as a theme in the beginning. I don't think it really carries through all the way to the end, but it is presented as a theme, and that's largely due to that beginning portion. But I don't disagree with you. It was a little bit long. I don't think I I definitely didn't dislike it, but it could have been a little bit shorter. For me, this is probably well. I, I kind of go back and forth between this and Rear Window, but I think this one probably uh overcomes that one as probably my favorite of Hitchcock's film. Uh Psycho for me. Um I think I like Psycho in theory more than in actually watching it. <laughs> uh Ver go, you said I'm not a fan of. Um so I, I, I actually really like this film and I really like the characters here. I think uh the performances are really well. Jessica Tandy in this, she plays the mother of the attorney in this film. I think that she gave an amazing performance here, and and Tippy Hedron as well, uh, and all that she went through with the filmmaking process here, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, I really enjoyed this film.
0: And did you enjoy it more or just as much uh, watching it a second time?
1: Uh, I think I enjoyed it equally as much. I enjoyed it the first time I watched it. Of course, I think there's a little bit more of a shock factor when you're watching it for the first time um and just the extent and how these birds operate so I mean I think it it held up for me in my mind in that way okay
0: I see that yeah I I mean I did enjoy this I don't know where I ranked this in his films I know we disagree on Rear Window I didn't like Rear Window Rear Window I shall say I like in theory more and maybe that's where I messed up it's because I went into that movie expecting something else
1: or not okay. expecting
0: something else, but I was like, I already had like kind of this idea and there was things that I was expecting it to like expand and to possibly show me. And I was, I was let down by a Rear Window.
1: I don't remember it too well, but I think I liked it because it was so contained.
0: Oh, you'll like rope then. Okay. Yeah. Like I like, I like Rear Window for, but that novelty of it being contained and him looking out the Rear Window, that wore all for me pretty quickly.
1: Gotcha. Okay. I think another um, interpretation of this, and it actually does uh, bring this up in the film, is that uh, the birds are kind of an external conflict that's shown from the internal conflict, which is um, Melanie's arrival into this small town. And she's arriving into this family. The attorney, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Mitch. Mitch. Yeah, sorry. He lives part of his time in San Francisco and part of his town time here in Bottega Bay with his mother Lydia and his little sister and also who's living into town is his ex-girlfriend who had moved to the town for him but then they broke up because of tensions uh, between her and Lydia and so when Melanie comes and is coming in as a love interest of course there's a lot of conflict there and she's kind of uh disrupting everything. It disrupting the balance of the life that they have here. So in in parallel we see this like disruptions of nature and that's what happens with the birds attacks. What did you think about uh what was your like interpretation of that story?
0: Birds are jerks. Like I said, I witnessed yeah. a bird attack, so I'm like, hey, you know, birds just had enough. I mean this was actually inspired by a true story where birds just lost it. Granted it was found out that they were there was toxin that they were eating, natural toxin, which was interesting.
1: It was algae, right?
0: Yes. Nature made algae. Just wanna I just wanna emphasize that this one time, it wasn't our fault.
1: <laughs> it was one time.
0: Yeah, this one time wasn't our fault. <laughs> I I didn't think about it too much because I think the movie didn't want you to think about it too much. I felt, I've seen other movies like this before. I just mentioned A Quiet Place where they, you know, it's just like, hey, the threat is here. Really, where they came from, not much of a concern. I was looking to see if there was some kind of parallel, if there was some type of message. I wrote down in my notes, I said, there's a lot of smoking in here. But I don't know if they're trying to make a message about smoking or if there's a lot of smoking because it's 1960.
1: Probably because it's 1960. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely
0: because it was 1960. Cause I, I started not seeing it as much. And I, I thought it was going to be like someone smoking a cigarette and then we saw the person coming down and getting hit. And then I can I can relate it more. But uh, yeah, no, that theory was disproven when I finished or about the time I finished the film. I saw something online that's related it to the tension of the relationship between um, between Melanie and the family. You now, first that tension with her and Mitch kind of. But that was like a that was that me cute tension. But then the real tension between her mother, I you mean, know, his mother and his love interests. So I, I I, can definitely, I can definitely see that because like I said, the tension just keeps growing with the birds. There's one bird, two birds. So it can be that it, it can be that build up in tensions and issues that are not communicated.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I agree as far as like direct answers of why was this happening? It doesn't give you that. and And I think that's okay. I don't think it really needed that as a story.
0: No, no. And this is something that people... I've, I've hear complaints about with movies that, they're like, we didn't need to know where they came from. We I, I didn't, I didn't want to know where they came from, uh, especially when it comes to prequels. Hollywood loves the prequels, but I hear a mm-hmm. lot of complaints when a prequel comes out. They're like, I didn't need to know this. I didn't need... They're like, it was more terrifying when I didn't know.
1: Yeah, very true. What did you think about the town itself? Because, like, when I was watching this, I got like, the mist vibes. I got Midnight Mass vibes of this small-town-town. Small-town-town? Town. <laughs> That's how <laughs> well, small-town-town is. The small-town environment and the small... I wouldn't say these are small-minded people, but, but kind of. I mean, you have the religious zealot. You have the the mother who just wants to leave to help her children. Like, there's stuff that I've seen in other movies, but I think that it definitely had that, what we would consider... Not stereotypical. I'm sure it all originates from this. But what did you think about the town? I
0: started wondering if something was up with the town because they were, I don't know, maybe I just don't. I mean, small town folk in movies, they're usually played to like, okay, they, they got a secret. I don't know if it's because people don't trust how like small towns are still sufficient as the way they are mm. with the service. So like, okay, they got to be doing something sketchy. They got to be sacrificing somebody to keep the economy going. There's no way the t- small town is surviving. And I kind of got that feeling, especially when she came in, people were friendly, but I guess that's the how friendly people were in, in uh, Southern Town, because they were just giving information away to her, like it was nothing. Yeah. And I was like, man. Like, oh remember.
1: yeah, do you want his home address?
0: <laughs> yes. I'm like, why don't you guys see her as any sort of threat? And again, it's 1960s. She's a woman. So makes sense.
1: <laughs>
0: but then I was wondering, I was like, wait a minute. Is Alfred Hitchcock trying to pull something on me? I'm like, he titled this movie The Birds. Is he trying to get me to think about the birds, but it really isn't about the birds? I thought she was going to deliver the birds. See, like the birds bring us actually to the plot, and she was going to witness him burying bodies. Or mm-hmm. I, Then I started like really going out again. It, it started to kind of drag for me in the beginning, so my mind started going other places. It's like, is a little bird going to like, you know how they say a little birdie told me so? I thought yeah. a bird was about to come down to her and be like... <laughs> They're eating people. It's people you're eating.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I just imagined, I just imagined this bird on her shoulder, and going, "Hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear." Yeah,
0: <laughs> they're eating real people.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think it's that deep. <laughs> okay, I do want to see that movie though.
0: <laughs> right. And I thought that would actually be kind of interesting for somebody to you know to find somebody who is is kind hearted innocent they're trying to do this love spectacle and as they're doing it they uh come upon a dark secret
1: mhm um, are you saying that uh tippi Hedren's character was kind hearted and innocent
0: who uh uh tippi
1: yeah
0: um no she has some flaws but i think she's <laughs> she kind i don't know about innocent she's kind
1: yeah, i mean that was I a mean, very did... kind gesture. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. After she broke and entered into his house and delivered some lovebirds.
0: That's the part that really got me is when she entered the house. I said, okay, <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, hold up. But again, it's west side, 1960s, because you do that on the east side, you do that in the Midwest, you're getting shot.
1: <laughs> True.
0: Right, on the spot. <laughs> the birds, too.
1: Well, we know how they are. Nobody locks their doors and... Whatever, what have you.
0: Which I understand that he doesn't lock his doors. I mean, he's surrounded mostly by water. I I probably wouldn't lock my doors either. But then again, (laughs) I wouldn't be expecting somebody just to come in and deliver birds.
1: Yeah. Which, by the way, there's a scene when she's driving to this uh, bodega bay. And she's driving not well. (laughs) But she has this cage of lovebirds that she wants to take to this, this guy. That she's interested in because she met him in the pet store where he was looking for lovebirds for his sister. But in the scene, like as she's like swerving the car, the birds are just like swaying with the car. And I don't know why. I thought that was the funniest thing. (laughs) Like I I was dying.
0: I noticed Alfred Hitchcock, he's a funny guy because he'll put things in his movie and it's. It, he won't draw attention to it. It's not like today how we see you know somebody has a snappy one liner or there's a joke and it's there to make the theater laugh. He'll just kind of hide things and put things in there just to give you a little smile or for you know if it, to hit the right person and they'll they'll start laughing and yeah. he does that with his films. I like that it's It's really interesting,
1: yeah as far it, as the rest of the town
0: I like the the diner scene was great, yeah, it had real Miss vibes there. that was probably my favorite scene was the the diner. Though they weren't really turning on each other at this point, but they were just having this conversation, and you know about like, hey, the birds wouldn't really attack. Well, hey, the birds attacked me. You had these individuals there. Of course, actually, I just talked about some subtlety with the comedy, but there was one guy. There was the drunk. Would that be the zealous or the one that says the world's going to end?
1: Yeah, I said religious zealot, but he was a drunk too. So I mean, whichever yeah. way you want to look at it.
0: Uh, he had both ways. He said, "I'll take, I'll <laughs> take the Bible and I'll take the whiskey." Yep. <laughs> The end is nigh, and so is my sobriety.
1: <laughs> what would you think about the other characters, like the side characters in here and their performances?
0: I liked them. Uh, they, The mother was good, uh, even though she kind of had that 1960s chewing-up scenery about the faint old woman thing going on.
1: She did have a couple moments like that, but then other moments I thought her acting was phenomenal.
0: Yeah, that's why well, I said it's just a couple. phenomenal
1: for... But 1960s, mind you. Yes. <laughs> like that was a different acting style.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'll give it to him. She didn't faint. I thought she was gonna faint. I was I had it in my notes. I was about to say, I was like, God dang, do women always like, was this a thing that they just did in movies or will were were women really fainting back then?
1: I, I don't think they were really fainting. It always got me like the stereotype that women always faint at the sight of blood. Like we see blood more than anyone else, probably.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, I did like the, the teacher as well because I liked the conversation that she had. Like it was a very it was a very blunt conversation. Not rude. It was just a blunt conversation between her and Melanie about her past relationship with Mitch. And they were having um they were having a nice nice talk about it. And I liked it because it wasn't dancing around a bunch of things. It wasn't playing up to be some big reveal. They were just having a regular conversation.
1: Yeah, I really liked uh Annie Hayworth. I think that she was kind of an alluring character right because you don't really know what's going through her head you kind of don't know if she's a romantic competition uh you don't know if she's just a friend i mean i, I mean that's how i kind of viewed her um so there is tension there but she's also just a very pretty person like very she was very attractive most definitely is there anything else you have to say about your opinion of this film till we move on to the next section
0: no oh wait one thing I forgot to mention the effects got to talk about the effects for 1960s great i love the incorporation we'll talk a little bit more about the effects and how they made it come to be well actually i can say right now at 370 effect shots and 32 separate filmed elements that they they did so many things that they could do with that technology back then and created things i mean they used uh cgi or of some sort was it cgi uh, no. No, it was just over, like, overlaid images?
1: Uh, yeah, a yellow screen, is that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that, though. I don't know if I have a, a good explanation for it.
0: No, I, I don't either. <laughs> I we'll know. we'll talk about that
1: in significance.
0: Yeah, and then they had practical, they had the, they had fake birds. I mean, you can tell they're fake birds, but still, it was, it was good. It was mixed in with actual train birds, which there was one train bird named Alfie, I believe who hated the actor of Mitch for some reason. He said every morning, if they were on the same set, that bird would attack him Every morning.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: I don't know what he said to that bird the day he came in or what the bird said to him or like Mitch went over and like tried to pull a power movie. He's like, hey, I know the movie's called The Birds, but this is my movie. This is mine. (laughs) And Alfie said, you know what? I would have respected that if you came to me like a man and we talked it out, but no, no, you're you're mine now.
1: Do you know what type of bird this was?
0: I think that one was a seagull.
1: Okay. I say, Alfie sounds like a seagull name.
0: And I think I know what seagull, because there was a seagull that was nipping his fingers. They were... They, they, <laughs> one was trying to rip those fingers off. I'm surprised he had hands at the end of the movie.
1: Nipping his fingers. Oh, my gosh, the cat. Hold on.
0: Let him just imagine him, like, filming that. You know how, like, you're supposed to kind of take it easy You're never supposed to go 100% with a blow or something? I just expect Alfie just giving in like a 100% nip. And just like, God dang it, Alfie, we talked about this. Like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? That wasn't me. I gave you a regular nip. That was like a 70% nip. Hitchcock, talk to your man over here. He's tripping.
1: That would hurt. This thing was nipping at your fingers.
0: 100% nip? Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-mm.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the influence that this film had. Brian, what were you able to find?
0: So I found mostly movies. Uh, I have some movie titles here. The other kind of technical stuff I have for the significance. Jaws was the first movie I thought of. I wasn't able to find anything in articles, but Jaws is the first movie I thought of as far as like building that relationship and building that, uh, building the characters and then also building the threat. But I know we kind of differ. I, I think Jaws did it, did it better. It, it did a lot better. Uh, Tremors. Is one I was I so I found an article in which they interviewed some horror directors and they asked them like Hey, what's the influence that you got from The Birds,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh The Tremors director He said Hey, one of the things that I saw from The Birds is that Hey, just The Birds just attacked like there was no source of it and that's what he brought to Tremors Tremors They just They just came about and they never explained where they came from Have you seen Tremors I have not What. Oh, I'm excited. We're gonna watch Tremors. And we're gonna watch Tremors too, because that one's actually good.
1: Okay. Put on It'll the one. one episode. <laughs> I
0: don't I don't think they're I don't think too significant enough to have his own episode. But yeah, you have to watch two. Okay. One of those that actually gotcha. a good horror sequel. Uh, Roger Corman as well said that he was he was influenced by this movie. There's a couple of things that he, he took from this and applied to I think about five of his films, he said. And this this one's kind of an infamous one. Bird Demick. Have you heard mm. of Bird
1: Caitlin? Yes. Yes, I have.
0: Th- this is obviously uh influenced for that movie. If you haven't heard of Bird it's known as one of the worst movies. Though I don't know if you can really say that it's a movie. You can say it's horrible, but I don't know if you can say it's a movie because <laughs> it's it's very cheaply done. It's like it's horrible acting. It's barely a film. Like it's below I don't know if there's something below a B movie. It's like a C movie. Uh, it's just <laughs> I don't know. Like I can tell like they just went out and tried to make a film and just had fun with it. It's like Future Wars. But yeah, mm. it's if you can go on YouTube and watch, I think the whole movie's on YouTube, you can watch some clips from it. It's it's hilariously bad.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think but I've ever actually, I know of it, but I've never actually sought it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've i seen some clips. i never watched the whole film. Another one that I thought of was A Quiet Place. I mentioned that one. Get Out, I think. I think overall just the beginning of Get Out, uh was influenced just by Hitchcock himself and some of his other films
1: yeah I, I, so, John, I think I saw the same article that you did, because uh, there's a quote from John Carpenter, and he says, I think every film made after Hitchcock by us young movie brats kind of have him with us. He's one of the true masters of cinema. So there's definitely no doubt that he inspired a lot of horror directors, specifically. As far as the legacy of this film, there was poorly received television sequel that was made. It was called The Birds to Land's End. Uh, in 1994 I heard it was not good uh, so I don't suggest watching it <laughs> uh, and they also planned a remake uh, in 2007 it was announced that there's gonna be a remake starring Naomi Watts directed by Martin Campbell uh, but it was scrapped which is kind of a shame well I don't know I don't know if I want a remake but if I were going to have a remake I would definitely want Naomi Watts in it
0: wasn't she in the remake for Evasion of the Body Snatchers
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. I did see that one.
0: I think she may have been in a remake for something. Isn't that all she does? Is she still around?
1: Yeah. I mean, she's a really good actress, but I feel yeah, like she, she hasn't made anything recently.
0: Well, she she was in in uh Impossible, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: She was good in that.
1: Yeah. So another thing that or another area where this film is definitely very influential is sound design. So in general, there's no music in the film that's not diegetic so diegetic sound is sound that the characters in the film can also hear so you get pianos playing you get the children singing which that children in that film were singing this song it was like Ristlety rosslete and they were singing it for a long freaking time and it got stuck in my head
0: <laughs> it didn't get stuck in my head but it, it was about to drive me insane it was <laughs> yeah. I, I was like between i don't know what was Wait, never mind. I I do know what was worse. The giggling in Pride and Prejudice was worse. That one, I think that one, like, got up my tolerance for annoyance.
1: Interesting. But anyway, so in general, there's no music in the film that isn't diegetic. And this is different, of course, than what's conventional in most movies. Usually there's, like, a score or some kind of music that's going on that the characters can't hear, but we as the audience, we hear. But this allowed greater emphasis on sound design. So this emphasized the sound effects from The Birds... A lot of which were created with an early synthesizer and this type of sound had a lot of influence on modern quiet horror that focuses on realistic sound design. Uh, So one big influence that this had on was Skinnemarink, a more modern film. The director of Skinnemarink cited that The Birds was an influence on why he chose not to have a score from his film, but it also influenced Joel Cohen's decisions in No Country for Old Men, where music is used sparingly and also uh, indirectly Todd Fields' Tar, where there also is a sparry music.
0: Which is ironic for that movie. You would expect more.
1: Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, but it's true. It's a pretty quiet film. So that kind of moves us along into the significance of this film. Is there anything in particular that you found, Bryant?
0: Yes, this script is in the National Museum of American History, which I found kind of surprising because this movie was produced in the UK. It was distributed by the US, by Universal, but... It came from the UK, so I don't know why it's in America, but hey, I mean, not the first thing we took and put in a museum that's not really ours. Still better than the Brits, though. Gotta admit that. That's true. That's the only reason nobody talks about us.
1: <laughs>
0: the green suit that Tippy wears in this film is in the Museum of Style Icons, which is interesting because the green dress from Atonement is um is known to be this iconic dress. I forget if that one's actually... um. Uh, if that one is actually displayed anywhere, but it's, its I don't know. I mean, if I ever make a movie, I guess I'm going I'm to try to make some kind of green outfit because people love it.
1: Yeah, it's a good color.
0: This is what I saw and this is what I've been thinking about. T- tell me if I'm wrong, but this is like the big budget horror movie, like the first one. Like for a horror movie to be on this level. I don't know if it's the most expensive up to this point, but I feel like this was the largest scale.
1: Uh, I'm not sure. That's a good question though no
0: so that that's a possibility don't quote me on that but that's something you know something we'll probably have to think about as we go through these through these movies
1: I mean uh, of the ones that we've tackled that have been influential I mean those are definitely low budget so I mean you, you might have a point there so let's talk a little bit more about the special effects because we talked about this process earlier so it's called the sodium vapor process that was used in this film it's also referred to as yellow screen. Uh, It's a photochemical film technique for combining actors and background footage. Originated in the British film industry in the 1950s and then was adopted by Disney in the 60s and 70s. Mary Poppins is one that uses this the most, I think, very greatly. That was a, a pioneer for this process. But this is something that they used in The Birds.
0: Yeah, as soon as you said Disney, I thought of Mary Poppins. And I don't know if this was Disney, but I'm guessing this is the technique they also use for Pete's Dragon.
1: I would think so, yeah. Hmm.
0: Wait, was everything in Mary Poppins animated? Or was there like some other things? Like because the, the, the birds that we see in here, not the like the ones that you can tell like really aren't there. They don't look animated. They look like they were filmed and then posted on this film.
1: Yeah, from what I'm saying, it has a lot to do with lighting and a prism to kind of split images. Like I said, I don't, I don't fully understand it, but it's not necessarily just for animation.
0: Okay, because I'm, I'm, all I can remember in Mary Poppins is the animation, but the penguins I felt like were something else. Were the penguins animated?
1: I don't remember. Are <laughs> I,
0: there even penguins I just, to I begin don't with?
1: Know. Yeah, there's definitely penguins, but I don't remember now that I'm thinking about it. It's been a while since I watched Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins actually won uh, an Academy Award for its special effects for that process. Oh. Guillermo del Toro has praised it for its cutting edge optical technology and special effects. So, I mean, the special effects are, they're good for its time. I don't know that if they, all of it fully holds up. But, I mean, some of it was was not special effects, some of it was practical as well, and a lot of it was, like you said, real birds. (laughs) Uh, The film uses a mixture of real and mechanical birds, and originally it was only going to be artificial and mechanical birds in the attack scenes. And the studio spent $200,000 in making them, which was... About a couple million at the time, if you talk about uh, what that cost back then. Um, But after a poor test screening, they decided to use the real birds, relying on animal trainer Ray Barrick to provide thousands of different kinds of birds. And it's kind of an interesting story because, you know, he had to get a whole bunch of different kinds. And crows and ravens are very prevalent in this film. But they're very intelligent birds, so they're very difficult to catch. They actually, at one point, the studio, in desperation, they advertised a bounty of $10 per bird for trappers to give them crows and ravens, and it didn't really work out. Um, I think there was, they said that the animal trainer and his crew actually wore all black clothes and face paint and tried to sneak up on the birds at night, so it's a little crazy. They say that over twenty five thousand live birds were used during filming, and like you said before, that they were pretty vicious on set. Like these weren't like highly trained birds or anything; they're just just birds that they caught, and a lot of the cast got pretty scratched up.
0: Yeah, well, they said the seagulls were like the true aggressive ones. The crows mm-hmm. were—they were all right. They were—they were cool. They were chill.
1: Yeah, the seagulls, they said, would deliberately go for the eyes.
0: Yeah, that's what I read.
1: Yeah. And so to make them a little bit more docile, I've actually kind of drugged them out. They gave them wheat mixed with whiskey to make them calm, uh, which, of course, probably wouldn't fly today. A lot of these, uh, a lot of this just would not not work today at all.
0: Yeah, I was watching this. I was like, they're definitely kind of hitting these birds. Like, they're definitely hitting these birds a bit. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. if, i don't think they're killing them they did care for the birds because one of the birds escaped and what they did for the birds to pop the balloons is that they taped their mouth shut with a with a pin so that when they went to the balloons it would pop automatically but one of the birds escaped and it still had that tape on its mouth so they went to go find it because if they didn't the bird would have died they were able to find it
1: mm, that's good
0: i wonder if that's why alfie hated mitch like was alfie like did alfie get a second portion of whiskey from somebody else and Alfie was just drunk all the time.
1: <laughs> he was just such a problem on set, difficult to work with.
0: <laughs> yeah, like there was some seagull I was like, "Hey man, I just got my I just got my coin from AA. I, I don't want any of this. You can have it." But I got I, I, I got to <laughs> tell you, man, it's dangerous stuff. Like you shouldn't. It's like, now nah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Hey, is that Mitch?
1: Yeah. That might that might have been it. They <laughs> also said that some of the birds carried lice, which like spread to the casting crew.
0: Oh. Ugh.
1: Yeah, gross. Gross. So, another significance about this film is Tippi Hadron's career and kind of its directory after this film. So, she was a model in New York before this, and... She was sought by Hitchcock after only seeing her in TV commercials, and he signed her immediately to a seven-year contract. I think she only did two movies of him, but I'm not entirely sure. But Hitchcock soon became obsessed with her and would act inappropriately towards her and it eventually led way to a couple instances of sexual assault. Uh, and this was mentioned in her memoir, and it was confirmed by her co-star, Rod Taylor. This kind of led to be headrun to believe that because she was rejecting his advances he had a bit of a vendetta against her she mentioned that this film i believe her exact words was that it was a mental prison there's a scene in here where she's in a phone booth while birds are attacking her and the glass was supposed to be shatterproof but one of the mechanical birds hit it and it basically just exploded into fragments and they say that the makeup artist spent hours tweezing glass from her face and her hair and she doesn't necessarily accuse Hitchcock of sabotaging it but she does wonder if she was being punished throughout this film. There's uh, another scene here where she was attacked and she was led to believe that they were going to be mechanical birds but they were actually live birds that were going to be attacking her. There were birds tied to her at one point pecking at her as she's like lying on the floor. So she had a she had a really hard time. She had to see a doctor at one point who told her to rest and Hitchcock said no, that she she can't rest. So she just kind of wanted to get it done with. And another thing that came out later on uh, her granddaughter is actually Dakota Johnson. She's a pretty big actress right now. And she mentioned a time where Hitchcock was said to give Tippy's daughter, Melanie Griffin, uh, a Christmas gift, which was a replica of Tippi Hedren in a coffin to this child, this young child. And she says that... Because that her grandmother stood up for herself, which she praises, of course, but she said it's kind of why she didn't have more memorable roles after her time with Hitchcock on The Birds and his other film, Marnie. So there's a lot of controversy there.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard. um, I I don't think this is the only woman he had issues with, right?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. This is definitely the most notable one.
0: Because I heard something about him and having this problem with blonde women. Like, that was his vice, his and that led to uh, mm. other issues. but Yeah, with her, I am I wonder if, if he was messing with her because she turned down his advances. Because this was the first movie, so I, I feel like he wouldn't have expected anything yet. Like, he would have still been working at it. He would have been like, oh, okay, you're just trying to play hard to get. And, and the reason I say that is because I'm thinking about The Shining and the way Stanley Kubrick Basically, mentally tortured uh, Shelly Duvall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm wondering if he was just trying to, if he was just trying to do that and justifying it by getting a real response from her. Not just, either way is wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's also so many uh, factors in the filming of this that are just uncontrollable, right? And that's that's not good filmmaking. <laughs> but you know, there's live birds that are untrained. I mean, there's gonna be issues.
0: And, and mechanical birds that are made in yeah. the 60s.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you're definitely going to have issues there. And like I said, tying the birds to her, I mean, what do you think is going to happen?
0: Yeah, the birds are going to panic and they're going to start going after whatever they're tied down to. That's just a- mm-hmm. animal instinct.
1: Yep. So I definitely think that she was put in situations during the filming in order to get the shot. But, of course, we would we would never have that today. Like We have so many rules and regulations and uh, unions, which I'm not sure... It, that would be something interesting to look into is what, like, actors unions looked like back then or, like, when they came into play. Um, that would be something interesting I'd like to look into. But I, I doubt that to be Hedren was protected by a thing. Like I said, she had this contract that she was bound to. Uh, she didn't really have a big acting career before then. And she, you know, she needed money because she was also a, I think she was a single mother at that time. So, I mean, I, I doubt that there was much protecting her at that point. And
0: that's just wrong. That's a straight-up predatory move right there, signing somebody as a seven-year contract to you.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: We already talked about the the star system and how it was wrong for the studios, and you're talking about a direct person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and yes, out of here that it led to, no, led to sexual assault, which sucks. I, I guess this is our first movie we really talked about a kind of a controversial director as far as, yeah. like, these, you know... Got to put them on the list with Roman Polanski, Woody Allen, who are great directors and made some great films. Like beloved directors, I know we have a difference yeah. in as far as great, but beloved directors you find out have like a, a shady past.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, I definitely like to view this as Tippi Hedron's movie, just because I I really do like her in this film, and uh, knowing that definitely puts a damper on it. But I think that you know she herself just did so well in this film so who would you recommend this film to
0: I would recommend this to the cinephiles I would definitely recommend this to the cinephiles general audience there's so many other movies that they could watch to get the same effect
1: um I I agree but I think that if you want to get into Hitchcock I feel like this is a very accessible one I mean granted I I mean I don't know about his other smaller films but of the ones i've seen i feel like this is probably a a pretty accessible one
0: i mean it's it's cinephiles that are getting into hitchcock
1: oh okay (laughs) well i think you know anyone get into hitchcock or is curious about him you know
0: yeah like if you if you got if you have a uh if you have a protege uh on their way a soon-to-be cinephile or somebody curious of the of the art then yeah this is (laughs) I, I don't know if I'll say this is the best Hitchcock film to introduce them to. I'll probably say Psycho or Rope.
1: Psycho, I mean, Psycho for me is a hard one because, in like I said, in theory, I think it is, but it does drag a bit, which might be harder for someone who isn't, you know, used to those kind of slower-paced movies.
0: That's the thing that's given me difficulty to recommend this movie is because the beginning,
1: mm-hmm. I feel
0: drags and I can just see somebody pulling out their phone during this granted i'll smack the phone out of your hand but that's effort that i don't want to have to do
1: i I don't know i feel like psycho still drags more for me but it has been a while since i watched it
0: it's been a while since i watched it too so i'll have to go back and see one day
1: yeah also if you have a friend that for some reason is really afraid of birds show him this film
0: oh yeah that'd be amazing
1: (laughs) or has some kind of bad experience like yeah (laughs) show him this film
0: Yeah, if your friend just so happens to be somebody that was attacked at the harbor from birds, show them this movie (laughs) and this podcast and let them know I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Yep. So let's go ahead into our classified portion of our podcast. This is our portion of our podcast with spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled on this film, go ahead, watch it, and then come back to us because we will be talking about that now. We're going to be talking about whatever we think this holds up as well as our final letter grade as well. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about spoilers then. And the first thing I want to talk about is is poor Annie Hayworth's death.
0: <laughs> I was so upset. And not just because I was like, this is, you know, my love of the... uh." Yeah, I was just upset.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Same, for the same reasons.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, come on. And they took out her eyes. I like her beautiful
1: eyes. Yeah, it was also like kind of a shocking moment because it just kind of happens out of nowhere. You're not expecting it at all.
0: No, they did a good job with that. She's just out there on the ground and you just know, like, you know, but, you know, you still get that going up and getting the confirmation
1: Mm-hmm. And, like, she's been portrayed as, like, a main character. So so when we get to that point, it's like, oh, but the stakes are pretty high now.
0: And they give her a heroic death because we find out that she saved Kathy. She, like, pushed yeah. her, and it sounded pretty horrifying the way she went. Like, she said she yeah. pushed her, and then she just got swarmed. And mm-hmm. I was on Mitch's side. I was like, yeah, pick up that rock, throw it, take them all down.
1: Yeah, might as well. What did you think about the explosion that happens in this film?
0: Oh, that that's, that's a scene that got me. I was like, "Oh, oh!" I was not expecting an explosion in the birds.
1: <laughs> like, God, yeah, I definitely had forgotten that happened, and the way it happens is kind of silly because, like, there's a car accident or whatever. There's an issue with the car. I forget what happened, but the gas leaks down the driveway, and someone lights a cigarette, and boom.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a once in a lifetime domino effect. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a comedic thing, like something you see in cartoons.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something like you go into the afterlife and you have to explain what happened. Like, dude, I stopped at a, I stopped at a diner. I was going to have a quick cigar. I was actually smoking outside, knowing that I can smoke <laughs> inside because it's 1960. And a bird flew down. And guess what was below me? Gas. I dropped the match. Boom. It's like I heard from some wow. other guys, too. That just led into like a chain of explosions.
1: <laughs> smoking kills. Isn't that what you were talking about earlier?
0: Yeah, I, I that's that's one other evidence towards it, but again, no, there's not enough.
1: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the end of this film. Um, something that bothered me was how Tippy Hedren's storyline kind of played out towards the end, because we have a scene where she's in the attic, she's attacked by birds, she can't get out. Uh, she's saved by Mitch, of course. That that tends to happen a lot in this film. <laughs> But then she's just kind of, like, super traumatized. She's, like, almost comatose. <laughs> like, her brain's not working anymore.
0: Yeah, I kind of liked how, I like some things about it. I like how when she woke up, she started swatting, even though the acting was kind of, it was yeah. off a little bit. It wasn't, but that, I mean, that does happen to people if they go out during a traumatic incident and they come back and they think that they're, they come back to consciousness, they think they're still there. Mm-hmm. And I like when she came out and she's like, no, no, I ain't doing this. Not t- No more birds. I'm saying inside. But yeah, she did have this look and Devin actually came in during the ending and he kind of laughed a little bit at her just like wide eye. Just like what is going on right now? Look.
1: Yeah. And, and the real like conclusion, I guess, to her story is just her getting close to the mother-in-law, I guess it will be, and having that acceptance. Of this relationship and what have you. So that really was like her story arc, but I kind of wish that there's just something a little bit more.
0: The whole thing just felt like they literally ride into the sunset. And I also, I don't understand why they were able to walk outside with the birds and why you would even try that.
1: So, so they said it on the radio station that like it happens in like, like one minute, they'll be attacking one minute. They're calm. Oh, okay. So, and I actually liked that because I mean, like, that, I think, is the most tense moment in the film when he's walking to the garage among the flock of birds. Like, it was really well shot, but the sound design, of course, was great. And, you know, you're just waiting for these birds to turn. And I think because it had that message that, like, sometimes they're calm and sometimes there's not, like, it gives you, like, this false sense of security when they're not moving and you're like, oh my gosh, at any point, they can turn on me. <laughs>
0: That's when I was talking about during my opinion that there was a truly a atten- uh, tense moment, and that it w- it was from
1: this scene here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this again is where it reminded me of the Mist once again, more so the book than the film, because uh, in the book, I mean, spoilers for the Mist. Ah,
0: <laughs> uh, you can't spoil the Mist because the Mist has one of the it has a a very famous ending. Like, it's a...
1: The movie. Yeah,
0: the movie. But if you're going to spoil the book, then you know not what to expect in the movie. I I wouldn't.
1: Okay, I won't spoil it. But there's an ending if you watch... It reminded me of The Mist, the ending of this film. But the book, not the movie.
0: (laughs) It reminded me of the movie. I haven't read the book.
1: Yeah, the book is different from the movie in... It's different. Hmm. But in, like, a very particular... I can see how you would still... um, they give it a vote from the movie.
0: Did you do you know the alternate ending for this film? The original ending? No, I don't. Yeah, so it was uh I watched the bonus feature for it. They didn't film it out. They just had the 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 screenwrite for it, the script for it, and uh some sketches. Basically they just kinda get attacked on their way out and they see the, the damage that they've done. They see the damage in like the hotel. Of course, a disaster is happening. Somebody has to loot. Someone tries to steal a TV and they die. They die with the TV in their hands. Which, that's a big TV. You gotta think, 1960s. I don't even know how he was carrying that thing. And then they kind of just keep driving all the birds that are surrounding them and they get out. Gotcha. I'm guessing it probably just costs a lot more to film. And they're like, we really don't need it.
1: So would you have liked that better or do you like the ending that we got? I mean,
0: as a studio, I would say I like the original ending better because they saved money. Me, I'm like, <laughs> it, either way, is still the same ending. I didn't really need another bird attack. I think the bird attack on the house was was great enough. I didn't need to see another one on a outside scale or, or yeah. in an outside setting. So, I mean, I can't really say which one I like better because, I mean, I really didn't like either one of them.
1: Gotcha. See, see. like I said, I liked it because I liked the detention. But like I said, I don't like that that was to be Hedron's ending. Like, I would have liked something more from her melanie sorry the character
0: yeah it just it felt erupt to me
1: so tell me brian do you think that this film holds up
0: i think this movie somewhat holds up i think the effects i mean yeah you're gonna see the novelty in it but i think they still work they still are terrifying but i don't know i think it is i think it's kind of slow it has like a older movie slowness to it that i think will turn some audience audience off today
1: yeah i mean obviously we talked about it already like the characters do some stuff that that don't hold up uh obviously the filmmaking process doesn't hold up with just the way actors were treated the animal treatment in this film the effects i mean because we're using live birds some of it of course looks legit but some other times uh it doesn't look too good so i i agree i don't know about it does fully hold up but I think that you can definitely still have enjoyment in this and I think just like the novelty of it just a movie where birds are attacking I think that that concept holds up we see you know obviously you are talked about Birdemic but we see like kind of funny not to compare this to like the Sharknados of the world but I mean we enjoy watching films like that where animals attack <laughs> we do
0: we definitely yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Honestly it's better to have a monster more than anything. I mean, we recently had cocaine bear. I mean, yeah, it was just one, but that's what we had recently. And even that was like, eh. I
1: don't know. I mean I think that if you get a lot of creatures in mass, it's just as terrifying as one big monster.
0: Oh yeah. If you get a mass of bears, that that's terrifying. <laughs> On cocaine.
1: I mean a mass of birds, and I think that it's obviously still relevant today. Because if you go outside, you see a whole bunch of birds flocking, you're gonna think, "Oh, it's the birds."
0: Yeah, we, we and you know you kind of think like, "Hey, man, this flock of birds over here—if they start, they start getting froggy—I can take them on." And you watch this movie, and at first, like the first couple scenes, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, man, you just start, just start boxing, just start knocking them out." <laughs> but by the third time that they show up, yeah, I was like, ah. Uh, you're done at that point if you're at, if you're yeah. caught out there. Though I don't understand why I didn't more people didn't put like their cloth or like their shirts and stuff over their heads, over
1: mm-hmm. their eyes and
0: face because that seemed like the only way you would really die from a bird. Yeah, unless they really like start doing uh, what's that god's name? The one that uh, Prometheus. The one. That
1: has oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Unless I don't know seagull beaks are able to. I mean, they can't pop balloons, so I doubt that they can really like get into your skin. I oh, don't know. That would be horrifying.
1: Yeah. That really is torture. Poor Prometheus.
0: <laughs> They're eating. What movie is that? They're eating people.
1: I don't know, but I I know what you're talking about, but I can't.
0: It's people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into our overall rating for this film. So what would you rate this, Brian?
0: I was going to say B+. I'm going to have to take off some points and go to a, a B. Uh, just for the for the because I mean, we talked about it during the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of like the mistreatment of actors and actresses and the whole cast and crew to try to get something that really didn't need to be done and was done without consent, And they did that to to Tippi here. And I think when you know that it, it really does bring the movie down when you're watching mm-hmm. it, uh, especially because I mean, she's a fine actress. I'm sure she could have done without that. Or if you guys did have some type of agreement. You could have done it on a scale that was reasonable and tour, uh, comfort. Um, uh, not trying to be, you know, SJW with it, but I'll, yeah, I'll say a B. It it brings it down for a bit, and the other stuff that brings it down, of course, uh, the story and the not the whole story, but the beginning and then the end for me. But things like just the way that this film was made, not using any any kind of score with it, the how they get the tension, how they really made something that seems. Not like a threat, really a threat. And I, I did like that. So yes, yeah, B a B movie for me.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go bear with you. I'm going to say B+. I think this would be an A movie. Like I said, this is probably my favorite Hitchcock film that I've seen. Uh, of course, I'd have to rewatch her window. But yeah, I mean, the way this is filmed was was not great. And unfortunately, it does bring it down once you have that knowledge and the way that T.P. Hedron was treated. But I also do think that she did a great job when she was able to in this film and uh Jessica Tandy did a really good job in this film for me and for me I think Jessica Tandy makes this film in a way between her and that final uh tension in that final scene so yeah I'll give it a b plus like I said I I would give it an a but because of those reasons I'll, I'll bring it down a notch any final comments
0: no we got everything pretty pretty clear Pretty concise. If they have any additional questions, they can always ask us, which we'll let them know later on or here soon.
1: So, Brian, what is our next episode?
0: Our next assignment is going to be tackling a film in a particular franchise that is going to be soon getting a Rise. Rise of Evil Dead releases this month and in celebration and anticipation for that film, which is going to be considered a legacy sequel, so you can expect a bonus objective. But first, we're going to bring you a core objective in... The form of Evil Dead 2 in the form of a deadite. Now, this is a film that Caitlin has not seen that I have seen. Uh, This is a film that's kind of had to persuade Caitlin uh, for us to do. (laughs) And hopefully, uh, hopefully the episode justifies why we're doing this movie. The reason we're not doing the first one is because Caitlin has seen the first one and I have seen the first one as well. But I believe that this is a franchise in which the second one at least is significant enough for its own film. For his own episode.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll see.
0: Join us next time for The Evil Dead 2. But while you're waiting for that, while you're watching Evil Dead 2 or before or after you're watching Evil Dead 2, you can go ahead and contact us at...
1: You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Op Silver Screen, Facebook at We're at Operation Silver Screen, but Twitter and Instagram that's Op Silver Screen. You can also find us on our personal letterboxes if you want to see what else we're watching throughout the week. Maybe see some of our reviews for films that we don't get a chance to talk about on here. You can find Brian at Swank Seal, that's Capital S Capital S, and for me, you can find me at Coffee Spoon Kate, that's Coffee Spoon C A I T. All right,
0: till the next time, we'll be in HQ. Hopefully, Alfie will not be. I'm Bryant,
1: and I'm Caitlin.
0: See ya.